So we've, uh, <clears throat> we've got a problem. Then when I greet you all on Sunday mornings and say, hey, how are you doing? I typically just get two responses back. It's either busy or tired. And then sometimes you'll feel a little weird about saying that, and so you have to justify it a little bit. So you say, I'm busy, but, but, but I'm, I'm good, or I'm tired, but I, I'm, I'm fine. And you know, fine, you know what fine stands for? It's just an acronym for feelings internally not expressed. I'm, I'm fine. See, there's, there's something beyond the busy that's going on and messing some things up. And I'm guilty of it too. You know, my, my go-to response is, I'm tired, I'm busy. And it's accurate, it's accurate but it's not complete. There's something beyond the busy. And I think that what that is, is that for many of us, the first thought that we have of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep. And then the next thought is, I don't have enough time. And as the day goes on, the scarcity list just kind of adds up. I don't have enough exercise. I don't have enough weekends. I don't have enough money. Yeah, of course. I'm not successful enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not enough ever. That before we even get out of the bed in the morning... We're already not enough. We're already behind. We're already lacking. We're already living half-heartedly. We're already living a life of lack. And then before we go to bed that night when our head should be resting on the pillow, our mind is racing with all of the things that we didn't get done or didn't get that day. And so then we wake up the next day and we just add all of that to the scarcity list again. We go to bed burdened by the things that we don't have. So, let me ask you this morning. How are you? Better. Better. Good. (laughs) Teresa's better. (laughs) But are you... Are you tired? You busy? It's okay. I, hey, I am. I'm tired. I'm busy. And what I want to invite you into today is I want to invite you into a time to just breathe. Like like literally. Let's just let's take a collective breath together. Ready? Inhale. And let it out. How did that feel? Is that better? So each day we take about 26,000 breaths. But sometimes we forget to breathe, 
right? Sometimes we forget to catch our breath. But I think that there's something profoundly spiritual when we take the time to catch our breath. So if you open up your Bible to the Old Testament, you're going to find a word that's sort of a name that shows up about 6,000 times. And it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that's probably how it's spelled out in your Bible. And in English, it means Lord. And that means kind of ruler, master, head honcho, person in charge, right? But if you were to look at that word in the Old Testament in its original language of Hebrew, you'd find a different set of four letters. Transliterated into the English, it'd be Y-H-W-H. yod he va he if you put all that together, you get Yahweh or Yahweh. But the interesting thing about that is that, yes, it's the name for God, but we don't really know what it means. And we don't really know even how to pronounce it. In fact, the, the Jewish people think that God's name is so holy, Yod. Hey, va, hey, that that is so holy that it can't even be pronounced. But what is interesting is that each of those four letters, yod, hey, va, hey, they're all breathing vowels in Hebrew. And so the ancient Jewish people have thought that really the best way to pronounce the name of God is to breathe. Yod, he, va, he. And when a baby is born into this world, the first thing that it has to do is catch its breath. And proclaim the name of the Lord. And the last thing that each and every one of us will do before we leave this world is proclaim the name of the Lord. Yod, He, Va, He. And in between those two breaths, There's 700 million breaths that we will take in our lifetime before we leave this earth. But how many of those will we actually really, truly catch our breath in? In the very beginning of the Bible, it says that when God created us, God took some dust out of the earth formed it into a human shape, and then God breathed, breathed into it, and it became a living thing. It became a human being. 
being, that it is by the breath of God that we have our breath. And the same word for breath in Hebrew, I know you're learning a lot of Hebrew this morning, hang with me. The same word for breath in Hebrew, ruach, is the same word for spirit. So God's breath is God's spirit. And the Greeks in the New Testament took this idea. The, Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek. And so the word uh, for spirit is also the same word for breath in Greek. Pneuma. Pneuma. God's spirit is God's breath. And it's by God's breath that we come fully alive. And so just with that in mind, listen to this from Romans chapter 8. It says, And if the spirit, the breath of God, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit, his breath, his ruach, his pneuma, who lives in you. Taking a breath gives us life. Catching a breath helps us to live wholeheartedly. And in fact, this was so important of of an idea to God. The God whose name is Yod, He, Va, He. The God whose name was Breath. This was such an important idea that God made it a commandment. That we would spend one day a week out of seven catching our breath breathing deeply and becoming fully alive, and that day is the Sabbath. Now, for Jewish people, that day is considered to start at Friday at sundown and end on Saturday at sundown. For Christians, that day is what we call today. Sunday is the Sabbath. But what day of the week it is, I don't think is as important as what we do or what we don't do on that day, because it's supposed to be one day set apart to catch your breath and pay attention to the very breath that is on your lips, the breath of God. And so when God created the whole world, for some reason, God decided that his creation should spend one-seventh of the time on earth resting. A seventh of our time on earth should be resting. Resting in God, resting in God's love. It, It seems that God can get along better without our work than we can. Because we always gotta be busy. And we always have to be tired. But Sabbath is a day to play and a day to rest. Sabbath is the roots. The roots from which the rest of our lives will grow from. And if the roots get damaged, if the roots get damaged, 
nothing will grow. As one pastor said, if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. And so Sabbath, it's such a countercultural idea. Sadly, in our society, that we have a society of overstressed, overtired adults who are busy raising overscheduled children. But it says that when God created everything, and I think we could all agree that that's, that's a pretty big project, that when God created everything, God then took a day to rest. You see, God, God's not a workaholic. And God understands that the well-being of God's creation does not depend upon endless work. It'll get fine just by just without us working endlessly. That from the very beginning, God models for us a way of life, a rhythm that we're all supposed to march to. That for six days, we work, we hustle, yeah. But then you take one day. You take one day to catch your breath. But too often, right, we find ourselves out of rhythm. We find ourselves out of sync, and we find ourselves out of breath. Because we've believed this lie that exhaustion is some sort of status symbol. That, that being tired and being exhausted means that, well, you've been productive. And if you've been productive, then of course you're going to be tired But that just goes to show that you're worth something because you've worked hard for it. And if you do have time to rest, then, well, you must either be lazy or luxurious. So nice that you can take a day off. That must be nice. We've believed this lie that we ought to be tired, that exhaustion should be a a status in our world, because our self-worth is tied to our productivity, and our culture is so anti-Sabbath, and is so pro-hustle, hustle, work it, get it done, right? But all that does, all that does is damage the roots of our hearts, damages that deepest place within us. Because we end up confusing our worth with our net value. And those two things cannot be reconciled. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He says, what good is it? What good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it for for someone to gain the whole world to hustle, to work, and yet forfeit their soul. And what can anyone even give in exchange for their own soul? You see, Sabbath, Sabbath, what it does is it slows us down to ask those really hard and really important questions. And Sabbath asks us the question, what kind of life do you want to live? You want to live an anxious one? 
You want to live a productivity-based one, a commodity-seeking life, or, or do you want to live a wholehearted life? That for some reason, God created us that if our hearts are to be fully engaged, that if we are to live wholeheartedly, it requires us to pay attention to the needs of our bodies and our souls. It requires us to catch a breath. And so one day, God came to a man named Moses. And God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world who rules over the nation that has the highest gross domestic product, Pharaoh in Egypt. And I want you to tell him to get rid of his greatest assets, all of his slaves. Tell him to let the slaves go because the slaves are not a commodity. (laughs) They are my children And I've created my children to be free. So Moses thinks about this for a little while. He tries to get out of it, but finally he reluctantly agrees. But he says, okay, but God, I need to ask you one thing. What's your name? Because look, if if I go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and I go and say, hey, I'm Moses, I'm a shepherd from Midian, I don't think our negotiation is going to go too well. And so, what's, what's your name? What, what is it that, that you do? So I can maybe leverage that in this negotiation with the most powerful man in the world. And God gives the most confusing but the most confident answer. I am who I am. Yod. He. Va. He. I'm the God of rest. I'm the God of breath. And you know what? Somehow they do it. And all the slaves are freed from Egypt, but now all those people who were once living in slavery now have to learn how to live as free people. And that, mean, that means that they get to rest. See, they've been treated as commodities for so long that they've lost kind of their human beingness. They've spent so much time trying to catch their breath, and they haven't been able to. And so God sends them to a place where they finally can do that, a place where there's absolutely nothing, the wilderness, See, they're taken from the place that had everything. Everything was accessible to them. But it came at a high price. It meant that they had to be slaves to it. And God brought them to a place that had nothing. Nothing but freedom. So, I wonder, what place would you choose? Or maybe more to the point, what place have you already chosen? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their very lives? Anyways, 
God gives them sort of a test. And this is the first time in the Bible that uh, God commands people to actually obey the Sabbath, to actually take a day off of rest. See, Sabbath has been talked about in Scripture before, but it wasn't up until this point where it came to this crucial moment that God says, okay, you've really got to do this. Because you're not going to learn how to live as free people. You're not going to be fully alive. You're not going to leave behind Egypt and go to the place that I want you to go. And you're not going to leave behind slavery and find freedom unless you get this right. It's Sabbath. And so this is what it said. This is from Exodus 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather up enough for that day. God had to provide food for them because, you know, there's no Publix or Aldi in the wilderness. And so they have to depend upon God. God says, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And so on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. They're supposed to collect twice as much on the sixth day because on the seventh day, God's going to take a rest. And they're supposed to as well. You see, sometimes sometimes it's really hard work to not work. Sometimes it's really hard work not to work. You know that's true, right? Right? Sometimes you've got to collect twice as much on the sixth day so that you can take a seventh day off. Sometimes it's hard work not to work, but it's so critical and important. You see, Sabbath doesn't just come naturally in our culture of commodity and production. Sabbath doesn't just happen naturally in a scarcity mindset where we constantly feel like we don't have enough and like we are not enough. But listen up, this is, if you didn't catch this point already, that it's even in the wilderness where resources are scarce that the people are first commanded to rest. Even though they feel like they constantly have nothing, they're commanded to rest. Sabbath isn't a luxury. It's a commandment. And so it goes on. It says, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, whatever that is. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded, commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. I love that. So eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Take the Sabbath, or the Sabbath will take you. 
You see, the Sabbath teaches us to have faith, that we have to depend upon God and learn that on the Sabbath day, the work is done, even if it's not complete. That on the Sabbath day, work is done, even if it's really not. That Sabbath is a gift from God that we, we have to receive. But some of us, some of us have been pushing that gift away. I'm not going to make eye contact at my wife right now, so just this side of the room. Some of us have been pushing that gift away for a long time. And so let me ask those of you who are, who are working, how many vacation days did you let expire last year? Hmm? How many? I bet your answer for most of you would be too many. Too many. It's a gift that God has given us one day a week. And even your boss may have given you a gift to take a rest. And yet you keep pushing it away. So here's how the rest of the story goes. It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. They got to hustle. They got to work. But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. If you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will just take you. See, Sabbath is a pause that not only refreshes us, but it gives us an opportunity to totally transform us. Because in the practice of Sabbath, we learn that what is needed is given, and it does not have to be seized. That's why God made such a big deal out of this for these newly freed slaves, because everything in their life they had to seize, they had to work for tirelessly, they had to literally give themselves enslaved to receive it. And God says, that's not how it's going to be. I'm giving you a gift for you to receive, but in order to do it, you need to learn how to depend upon me. Productivity no longer defines your self-worth. I love this quote from Norman Wurzba. And he says this. He says, when we become a Sabbath people, we give one of the most compelling witnesses to the world that we worship a God who desires our collective joy and good. We give concrete expression to an authentic faith that is working to deflate the anxious and destructive pride that supposes we have to do it all by ourselves and through our own effort. Some other people have talked about the Sabbath as being a royal waste of time. And I love that. That it's a time where you can accomplish absolutely nothing, produce absolutely nothing, and yet come to know that you are still worth something to God. That you still have value in God's eyes. Because Sabbath, Sabbath is not about becoming comatose. 
but it's about being content. Being content and delighting in the gift of life and the giver of all life. Sabbath is a royal waste of time. Spending the time delighting in the world. No matter what the world thinks about you. No matter what your boss thinks about you. No matter how much you produce, you are worthy of God's attention because you are God's beloved son or daughter. Sabbath teaches us that we are of value just as we are. Just you as you are of value to God, not because of what you do or what you accomplish or what awards that you have. You are valuable as you, as a human being, not as a human doing. And God wants to spend time with you being you and just breathing. You see, the whole reason why God created the Sabbath was not because God was tired. We get tired. And the Sabbath reminds us of our own limitations, of our own weaknesses to our strength. But God didn't rest because God was tired. God rested, it says, to sit back, take stock, view all of creation, take it in, and enjoy it, and delight in it. God took a Sabbath to turn his attention to the goodness that this world is and to delight in it. Sabbath isn't a time for us to just take a break and to tune out the world so just long enough so that we can go back and face it the next day. But it's given to us so that we can learn to love the world once again so that we can take a deep enough breath to see the goodness and the beauty that is this life, that is this world, that is those most important relationships to us. And through Jesus, through Jesus, God showed us this, that through Jesus, God turned towards the world in such a profound and powerful way, such a profound and powerful way that he became part of it. He delighted in it. He gave himself to it for its rest and its restoration. That's Sabbath. And Jesus lived a Sabbath life, a wholehearted life of rest and restfulness. Sabbath isn't just shutting down and and shutting out, but it's given so that we can find beauty in our world again and give our lives to it wholeheartedly. See, the, the, opposite, the opposite of rest is, is not activity. It, it's not busyness. The opposite of rest is restlessness. And there's a big difference between the two. Because what restlessness does is that restlessness grows into ingratitude. It means that, that you're not content with who you are or who you are with, or or what you have, or what you're doing. And so you always have to be chasing after the next best thing. The grass is always greener on the other side, and all the while you're neglecting to water your own patch of grass. But Sabbath, Sabbath grows gratitude in our hearts. It nourishes the roots of our hearts one of my favorite quotes 
we'll wrap up with this. One of my favorite quotes comes from St. Augustine. And he says this in, in one of his prayers that's recorded. He says, my heart is restless until it rests in you. My heart is restless until it rests in you, O God. It's like what we talked about last week with Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So I want you to do something countercultural. Something that seems simple but absurd. And I want you to catch your breath this day. And for one day every week to catch your breath, will you commit to cultivating a life of Sabbath? Will you receive this gift to declutter your heart enough so that you can seek God with your whole heart. And if you do that, if you do that, I bet you'll catch your breath. And I bet it'll sound a whole lot like Yod, He, Va, He. Let's pray. God, you know that our hearts have been restless. But God, we thank you for this time. This time that we've had to come away. To be with you, to find sanctuary. To have the roots of our hearts, have the roots of our lives nourished, refreshed, but God also transformed. The Lord, you would fill us up so that we could go out with our hearts fully engaged, fully towards the world and find beauty and delight in it and share that goodness. Share that goodness that you see with everyone. God, make us a vessel and fill us up and send us out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.